Janet Yellen pushes for a minimum tax on corporations globally, a warning from Bank of America, and is Texas Instruments a buy? This is the Running With The Money podcast. Let's get into it. And we are back with another episode of the Running With The Money podcast. What are the markets doing today? Well, they are going up and they are going up big time with the Dow Jones making a new 52-week high at 32,532. Man, up 378 points. The NASDAQ up 208 points, making a solid bounce and heading right back up to those highs. Um, it You know, nearing those highs already. The highs previously on the NASDAQ from just about a month ago, uh, 14,095, and we're already back to 13,688. So, you know, a big NASDAQ bounce here off of the correction selling there. And then the S&P 500 making another 52-week high today, uh, breaking 4,000, now at 4,076, as well as the Rust 2K topping, uh, once it, you know, bouncing, you know, all the way back, 2,259, that's up five, um, and then the VIX increasing, which is odd, that's something uh, that kind of worries me today, I take a look at the overall moves being made in the market, and what I see is an increasing VIX, I see a VIX up nearly 4% while the markets are going up, we don't want to see that, as you know, when the market goes up, we want to see the VIX decline. And when the market goes down, we want the VIX to increase. We do not want the VIX to fall the market. If the VIX falls, the market is typically a warning sign of more turbulence in the future, possibly more selling in the future. Um, so that is interesting to me, but it is also important to note that the VIX has absolutely collapsed in the last two days, going from, you know, breaking down through that 20 support, uh, now sitting right around seven uh, high 17s, 18. Uh, so I do like to see that. Now, getting into the biggest headlines, lines of the day before we get into the watch list in the broader market we have to dig into uh, Janet Yellen's push for a global minimum tax on corporations now uh, as we all know uh, the Biden administration wants to raise corporate tax back up to 28% um, from 21% where it's currently at now The market loved the fact that these tax cuts uh, were put on throughout the Trump administration. The market went up on news of a lower corporate tax because um, if you look at nearly every major study on taxes, the lower the taxes, um, typically the more economic growth you see. Higher taxes uh, seem and have been um, seen as basically halting or not halting, but slowing economic growth. And people don't like to see that And the market fears higher taxes. So Yellen will push, uh, according to CNBC, for a global minimum corporate tax levy on corporations. She believes that this will keep companies from shifting all across the globe to find lower rates, find lower taxes. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, I think this is just going to play more into that higher tax fear uh, that comes out of uh that's currently coming out of the market. Every time we hear about higher taxes, you see the market take a you know a little step back or kind of jolt or pause for a second. Um, a lot of investors right now do not like the idea of higher taxes under a Biden administration, especially as especially as the overall um, economies of the world and specifically the U.S. economy is just recovering. It's just in the midst of a recovery from one of the you know worst global disasters that we have had. It you know 
for a very long time. Uh, so at the end of the day, this is going to play into those higher tax fears. The only positive I see from this is that it would keep uh, a lot of U.S. companies, if you got this minimum, uh, it might keep them from, from leaving, um, but you never really know. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the next few weeks, this global minimum tax on corporations. But it'll be interesting to see if it actually happens. Now, Wells Fargo um, rates Ford and GM as overweight. That's new news this morning. Uh, their analyst, Colin, Langan, a Wells Fargo analyst, uh, you know, out of Wells Fargo, he believes that the EV technology out of GM and Ford is going to boost these names. Now, when it comes to Ford, the one everyone always questions with EV technology, he said, quote, Ford's EV strategy has historically been met with significant skepticism, as we just noted, but he went on to say, however, in our view, the Mustang Mach-E is very compelling proof that Ford is serious about EVs. So it's going to be interesting what happens with Ford and GM. I do think the stocks continue to move higher because I think people are looking. I think people are looking, you and me, investors like you and me are looking for names that you can get into in industries that haven't gotten a lot of love in, I would say, the past few years. Um, tech has really gotten all the love the past few years. And now, what are we seeing? We're seeing these industrials start to come back. These sysicles start to come back. And Ford and GM fall right into that. And when you add the EV boost behind them, I think analysts are liking that. So I do like the upgrades on Ford and GM. If I had to pick one, I'd go with GM. I think GM's EV plays are much better. I think they're following more the tech Tesla route of things, but I do think still that Ford and GM are significantly behind when it comes to technology, and I think Tesla is years ahead in the EV game, and that's why they're still my favorite EV play in the market. I think they're the most viable as well. Now, taking a look at the biggest analyst calls today, going away from just the lone analyst call on Ford and Wells Fargo, taking a look at all of them, what am I seeing? Well, I see a Wedbush upgrade on Tesla to outperform from neutral. They got a price target bump to 1,000. Crazy numbers once again here on Tesla. If you take a look at the stock today, it's getting a little bounce out of that, up 5%, up 33 points. I like it. The stock is far off its highs of 832. 883. Um, so I do like the fact that Tesla right now is actually um, really in, in the big scheme of things. Uh, Tesla is still extremely overvalued, but I don't think Tesla is coming down anytime soon. It's one of those cult stocks. It's not going anywhere. So I take a look at Tesla. And if you are bullish on Tesla, if you believe that Tesla is the car company of the future and that they are going to continue to grow and that they are going to get into the energy game and that they are just going to continue to expand like bonkers, if you are of the ARK investment perspective, on Tesla. I believe you can buy Tesla right here at 694 bucks a share because at the end of the day, it's extremely far off its highs. If you take a look at the past few months, it's down 5% on the three month um, and it definitely was way higher than this. Um, and I just saw news that they outperformed on deliveries once again. So you got a lot of bullish news in the mix here on Tesla and I definitely think it's one to take a look at. I think you can buy Tesla right here. It's a bullish call on Tesla. And if you're not bullish, don't buy it, you know, but definitely don't short it because as we all know Tesla is one of those stocks that you short it, you think it's going down because it's way overvalued, and then it goes way up again and you get screwed, and you do not want that to happen. Now, Morgan Stanley adding Alphabet to its Fresh Picks money buy list. I like it. Alphabet is a remarkable company. I take a look at uh, YouTube, um, and I think that not only, you know, the basic Google things are doing phenomenally, but I do believe that YouTube is going to be the future for Alphabet. I think there's so much more they can expand on with YouTube. YouTube's going to continue to grow. We've seen consistently, especially in the last earnings report, that the numbers were blowout out of YouTube, and I definitely do think that uh, Alphabet is going to continue to 
move to the upside. Massive company, great company, is phenomenal, and it's going to continue to be successful. That's why it's one of those fang stocks. Now, uh, Goldman Sachs named Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, and City as top picks, top picks at the moment. Now, I take a look at the financial space. We take a look at the financials. For instance, we take a look at the three-month performance in the banks. In my, oh my, I see a Wells Fargo up over 30%, a JP Morgan up over 20%, a Bank of America up over 30%, a City also way up, up over 20% in the past three months. All these banks moved significantly to the upside. I take a look at, you know, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America. They're both excellent banks. I've done a lot of research on these banks, a ton of research on these banks. But when it comes to, uh, do you want to buy them here? Now, I don't know. You know, they, they haven't fallen much off their highs. They haven't had much of a correction whatsoever. You take a look here, um, and I see a price to earnings, though, on Morgan Stanley. I see a valuation, and this is just part of the many multiples that go into calculating their valuations um, into determining if the valuation is high or not, but their price to earnings right now is 12.11 times. That's not bad at all. I took a look at Bank of America, which we just broke down at runningwiththemoney.com. Go check it out. We just broke that down last week. It's one of Warren Buffett's favorite names. Making a new 52-week high of the day, Bank of America. Um, it's at a 21 times price to earnings, and that's just part of the valuation. Once again, that's just a quick note. So what do I think about the banks right now? I think long-term, these banks, Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, are going to be excellent. But in the short term, I do think that a little more could be you know, taken off the top here. Um, at the end of the day, the market seems to be slowly shifting back to those tech names. And if the market does shift slowly back, if today um, in you know, the end of the week last week is any indication of what we're going to see in the next few months um a possible bounce out of tech could send or trigger some selling in the financials i doubt it will but it could as we see today we see the fang stocks we see tech way up through the roof but what do we see down the banks are down today i'm not doing the best either flat or red so what do you want to do here? I think if you don't have any banks in your portfolio and you want to bank in your portfolio, Bank of America is an excellent pick. I really do think that. Um, I really like Goldman Sachs themselves. I think Goldman Sachs is an excellent investment bank and I think they're one of the best in the game. My top four banks, I have four top banks right now that I really like. My number one, JP Morgan. Why? JP Morgan is the best breed. It's one of the best banks in the world. Definitely the one to go to if you're looking for a an excellent long-term bank hold. Now, also, second, Wells Fargo. Why Wells Fargo? Why am I putting Wells Fargo above Goldman Sachs? Here's why. Wells Fargo is a comeback play. It's an underdog play in the financials, and that's why I love it. Now, it's no longer one of my holdings. I trimmed off the top um, after shortly after it broke 40. I really do like Wells Fargo still. I still think it's an excellent name, um, but I did trim. I took profit. I had a 20% gain. It was a short-term trade. Long-term, I do like Wells Fargo. It's an underdog play. I believe it moves higher. They're getting their stuff back together, and I do believe over the next few years that they are going to become, once again, one of those mainstay bank names in that the crisis and that the scandals they had in the past few years are going to eventually be forgotten and that the bank will be back to where it used to be. Now, we have two more banks. I said I have top four. Goldman Sachs is third. Why? I just said it. Excellent investment bank. It still trades at a reasonable valuation. Um, and I do believe that Goldman Sachs is going to continue to do well for the many years to come. And then Bank of America. I understand why 
It is one of Warren Buffett's favorite names. You know, they're one of the largest banks in the world. I believe they're the second largest bank in the United States. Um, so overall, I think all four of those names that I just listed, especially the Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, they're all solid banks. They're all going to continue to do well. They're all going to continue to outperform on the long term. Um, and I do believe you are safe for picking up one of these names as a long-term bank position, um, but don't expect any huge short-term gains out of the banks. Now, while the market continues to move huge to the upside, well, we continue to see this big upside in the markets. While the Dow Jones pitches the new 52-week highs, while the NASDAQ bounces um, it, extravagantly, in my opinion, and continues to move to the upside, what are we seeing out of Bank of America when all the other analysts and all the other banks are bullish on the overall market? Bank of America coming out today um, in noting that their sell-side indicator, it increased for the third straight month, and it hit 59.4%, and that's up from the previous month's level of 59.2%. Now, what does this mean? Well, here's a quick note. Um, That's a 10-year high. The 59.4% is a 10-year high for the indicator, and it is the closest level. It's the closest level it has been close to since May of 2007. What happened just after May of 2007? Oh, we all know the great financial crisis of the United States in modern history, a huge sell-off on Wall Street. And, you know, this is a contrarian sell signal that we are seeing here out of Bank of America. They're basically sell-side indicator. Their indicator that tells them when the market's getting a little bit exhausted is hitting insane levels, levels that we haven't seen since one of the great last crashes in the market. Now, They said, quote, increasingly euphoric sediment is a key reason for our neutral outlook as the cyclical rebound vaccine stimulus, et cetera, is largely priced into the market. And I somewhat agree with them here. And why do I agree with them? Because I take a look at the broader market today. And what do I see? I see industrials trading at ridiculous multiples. I also see financials trading at ridiculous multiples. I I see consumer defensive names trading at crazy multiples. I see a lot of industries, energy, for instance, I see a lot of names that are trading at valuations far over what they historically do. Now, that doesn't mean stocks can't continue to move higher. Valuation is just one part of the equation. It's one part of the many parts of the equation. But at the end of the day, I see a reopening trade that's already overbought. And on the other side, I see a tech trade that's already overbought or has been overbought for quite a while. So what do you do in this market? Well, you invest per usual until the floor falls out and the floor has not fallen out yet. So at this point, I am still bullish on the markets. I do still think that the markets continue to push forward because at the end of the day, it is the thinking, it is the psychology of investors that keeps the market moving higher. And as long as that psychology is positive, as long as there isn't some drastic negative catalyst to push the market down or start a huge downtrend or a major correction, I don't see how this market doesn't continue to move higher, especially when you have a tech sector that's still turning out insane earnings growth. And we have a future here that is massive for a lot of industries, for instance, the e-commerce industry. And then on top of this, we have an infrastructure package, which is probably going to give you know, industrials, even more of a boost. So at the end of the day, this market can likely continue to push higher in my opinion. By no means am I a bear, but an interesting note out of Bank of America, note the risk in the current market. And right now, the overall market is looking overextended, but that does not mean it cannot continue to get even more overextended. Quick note out of Bank of America. Now, 
Let's take a look at Texas Instruments. A lot of you have been asking, uh, what semiconductors do I buy? What semiconductors do I take a look at? Well, let's take a look at Texas Instruments, an excellent semiconductor company, um, and honestly, it has a lot going for it, so let's dig into it. Now, Texas Instruments, ticker sign TXN, is a major semiconductor and semiconductor equipment company with a strong focus on analog semiconductors and embedded processors. Now, sifting through Texas Instruments stock price, according to Trefus at Trefus on social media. Also, check out Trefus. Excellent data analysis. Um, according to their price analysis, 80.7% of the stock is based on the analog semiconductor segment, while just 13.8% is based on the embedded processor segment. Now, Texas Instruments continues to reduce share count and increase their dividend with a 26% CAG-R on their dividend and a consistent 17 years of dividend hikes. That's an excellent history when it comes to Texas Instruments. Now, Texas Instruments is a semiconductor, obviously, that pays you to stay. Now, throughout recent weeks, the semiconductor names have been mostly shifting to the downside with tech, as we all know. But what name in the semiconductor market, what names in the semiconductor sectors have been doing well? Oh my, oh my, Texas Instruments have, has certainly been outperforming in recent months. If we take a look, just in the past three months, Texas Instruments has rallied 20.21% in just the past three months, while all the others have been falling behind. What's going on here? Well, Texas Instruments is just a solid semiconductor play. Now, digging into the numbers, Texas Instruments beat Q4 2020 expectations with an EPS of $1.64, and that's better than the analyst EPS consensus estimate of $1.34. On a year-over-year -year basis, EPS, it improved by 46.63%. Not bad at all. Now, revenues, they also improved as well, jumping a strong 22% year-over-year to a whopping $4.076 billion for the quarter. Quarter. Now, for comparison, the Q4 2019 revenues level was $3.350 billion. Now, the Q4 2020 revenues level, $4.076 billion. So, overall, solid numbers there on revenue. Now, taking a look at revenues by segment, the analog segment saw a 25% increase year over year in revenues. All the while, the embedded processor saw a 14% jump in revenues year over year as well. So, I like what I'm seeing out of EPS and revenue already. Now, as for operating profits, Texas Instruments delivered a strong, a strong, $1.813 billion operating profit. And that's a 45% jump on a year-over-year -year basis in operating profit. Now, not only did operating profit jump significantly, but net income also increased throughout Q4, totaling $1.688 billion for the quarter. And that's a 58% jump on a year-over-year -year basis. Insane numbers there. So, so far, what are we seeing? We're seeing increasing profit, increasing net income, increasing revenue, increasing and improving EPS. I like all of these things. All on top of a strong dividend that continues to grow a solid growth rate, uh, the dividend itself. Now, there were some negatives to Texas Instruments, especially in its most recent quarter. Now, while revenues, profits, and income all jumped throughout Q4, cash flow from operations decreased 8% throughout Q4 to a slightly lower $6.139 billion, and that's on a 12-month trailing basis, important to note. But free cash flow, it also declined throughout the quarter by 5% year-over-year to a lower $5.490 billion. Now, for comparison, the Q4 2019 free cash flow level was $5.802 billion, and that's on a trailing 12-month basis once again. 
Now, shifting back to the positives, if we take a look at the full year, FY 2020, what do I see? Well, I see Texas Instruments saw solid revenue growth with FY 2020 revenues totaling $14.461 billion, and that is roughly a, uh, you know, it's a solid jump off of the $14.383 billion revenue that we saw from FY 2019. So solid stuff there. Now, shifting into the balance sheet, the numbers, they're solid with total assets of $19.351 billion and a cash short-term investments level of $6.568 billion. On top of that, we have liabilities of $10.164 billion and total liabilities of $6.798 billion. So their liabilities and their assets, you know, are well balanced. You see assets sitting well above their liabilities, and that's exactly what we want to see. We see a significant cash position, and debt is not terrible for a company of this size. Now, on a valuation basis, Texas Instruments, it trades at a premium, of course, but it's not too bad compared to industry peers such as AMD and NVIDIA. So currently, if we take a look at Texas Instruments, it's trading at a price to earnings of 32 times. Um, it's trading at a forward price to earnings of 26 times. It's trading at a price to sales of 12 times. It's trading at a price to book of 20 times, and it's trading it a price to cash flow right around 22 times. So it is not a terribly high valuation compared to the rest of the semiconductor sector, but it's definitely something to know. Now, management, they've been effective. They have a return on equity of 61.55%, a return on assets of 20.94%, and a return on invested capital of 34.06%. I don't think you can ask for much better. Now, given the numbers, given the huge run in the stock price to analysts, they're neutral. They have a mean price target of 192 bucks per share. They have a high price target of 225 and a low of 155. So on the high end, you're making 15% according to the analyst. The analyst, they tend to be wrong. They tend to be late to the show. So overall, what do I think? I think if the market continues to be as bullish as it is, that um, on a long-term basis, no matter what, the semiconductors are going to do excellent. In the short term, uh, it's all about the market sediment. If sediment turns back to the semiconductors' favor, I think you definitely do see um, Texas Instruments continue to move to the upside. Now, the big money is quite involved with 82.23% of Texas Instruments being owned by institutions. Top holders include the regulars, the Vanguard Group, BlackRock Institutional Trust, and State Street Global Advisors. Now, if you want to see a technical breakdown also of Texas Instruments and the full breakdown of the company, go to runningwiththemoney.com and you'll get the entire thing for free under the analysis tab. Now, in short, Texas Instruments dollar sign TXN or ticker sign TXN is a solid semiconductor play with expanding revenues, a growing dividend, and a strong management team. Texas Instruments, solid company. Now, shifting into the watch list to round out the show, taking a look at what the market is doing today, we see that technology is outperforming. The FANG names are outperforming. Meanwhile, those you know areas that we have seen bouncing um, on the recovery news kind of falling back. We see you know a Disney red today. We see you know the airlines, they're not the strongest. We see the financials, they're not the strongest. We see energy selling off today. We see oil and gas definitely selling off. We see real estate taking a sell side action today, but we see a lot of tech names bouncing back, and that's what I like to see. But the industrials, they're still holding strong, which I like. This was another episode of the Running With The Money podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will be back on Wednesday with another episode to talk about the market. In the meantime, eat, sleep, profit, do your research, and trade on. 